this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Dungeons Demogorgons, the officially unofficial podcast for Stranger Things on Netflix. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back for our season four B wrap up. Uh, I think we could put season four to bed now. Aaron, I hear that we just had a Vecna load. Oh, man. A whole upside downs worth of feedback this week. It was clocks gonging. It was Armageddon. Uh, real quick, if in case you missed it, uh, Stranger, 5 was, Stranger Things is confirmed to come back for a fifth and final season. It will not be out until 2024. <laughs> wow. Is what Two they've years. said. So there is some interesting considerations and in, in terms of like, and the, the Duffers have confirmed there's going to be a time jump, which is discussed in feedback. So we are definitely getting more Stranger Things. We'll get one more installment and it'll be the finale. I think that feels appropriate. And we'll talk about the rest here in the feedback. Let's get right to it, because like you said, we got we got a ton people. I was gratified to see that people were excited to see Stranger Things for a lot of talk preseason about how long it's been and oh is it even relevant anymore do we i thought this season overall was fucking rad and it immediately rejuvenated my interest in stranger things i feel like a lot of people said the same thing um yeah it feels like also netflix might have learned a thing or two by separating the binge into two roughly equal halves of like seven and five hours um because like it feels like stranger things has kept in the conversation a lot longer this summer too so i don't know maybe maybe something they're, they're they're trying out uh first up john g in the old stranger things of bald move dot com mailbag i don't know if this is true or not but i always get the impression that the world of stranger things was not supposed to be our real world but rather the world of 1980s movies so for example when you say it's not impossible but not realistic for anyone to hack into school records in 1986 i think ferris bueller came out in 86 and in that movie there's a scene where he hacks into his school and changes the number of times he's been absent and war games directly reference the season broderick hacks into his school to change his get- grades it's the mm-hmm. it's the broderick's of the world that's always a problem here yeah that was back in 83 why is there a mall in hawkins even though there wouldn't be in real life because the mall featured prominently in many movies of the 80s with entire movies being set in and around them we talk of any of the russians being tropes that's because every russian in the film in the 80s was a silly trope so we see the Russians in the show. They're not real Russians. They're an 80s movies Russians, which range from pure evil sculpted from stone type guys to goofy Yakov Smirnoff types, etc. I think this is the best lens to look at this show because you're right. Like this mm-hmm. is simultaneously small town America. But if small town America got to participate in all the things that movie culture was based on, which is kind of how as a kid you approach it like. You know, I, I I guess I always knew that like Kevin's parents and Home Alone were rich, but you don't really kind of understand the difference in the way they're living until you're much older. In the exact same way that even though I lived in a cornfield, like I could drive to a mall 40 minutes away. So I knew I didn't have the mall rats experience, but I had. Yeah, I, I, I like this. I like this a lot. Sure. 
Uh, yeah, th- you're absolutely right about that. Um, here, here's one fly in that ointment. Uh, I don't even think the movies of the 80s were as diverse as Hawkins is depicted in the show. So that kind of falls flat. Like, certainly real life wasn't in the Midwest, but, like, even the movies of the 80s were not were not there. So if so, so the the other lens is it's it's eighties movie culture, but as if they filmed with today's sensibilities, right? I think that's the the missing the missing uh, lens. Uh, but thanks for pointing out, John. Let's move on to Sean. In an episode where Max is under the Vecna spell in the cemetery and Nancy and Robin are escaping the institution, they jump over a feature in a landscape and a patient loudly and clearly laughs. Ha, 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 ha. That landscape feature is called a ha, ha wall. And a ha, ha, also known as a sunk fence, blind fence, ditch and fence, deer wall or foss is a recessed landscape design element that creates a vertical barrier while preserving an uninterrupted view of the landscape beyond the other side. Isn't that most important? But I thought it, I thought that was cool. I can't do it. I can't be an expert on all these things. So thank you for sending that information in because I That's, really love that fact. But there is no th- way I would have ever known that. I feel like there's 15 people in North America watching like like some mm-hmm. kind of obscure architectural landscaping nerd that like snorted when that happened. And uh, yeah. that's my favorite type of Easter egg. Eric says, is Finn Wolfhard a poor man's Timothy Chalamet or is Timothy Chalamet a poor man's Wolfhard? Oh, boy. Uh, Finn, if you're listening, close your ears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Finn is a generationally poor man. Like his great grandfather was poor. His grandfather is dirt poor. His father was poor. He's he was born into abject poverty, has no idea and he was uh, the born taste of finer things and then got redlined out of his neighborhood <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um you can start listening yeah. again finn we're done it's it's uh i yeah i i don't think much of finn wolfhard i feel like i've only seen him and i've seen him in a couple movies now and stranger things he's got like one or two gears and that's it I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know that I'm buying Finn Wolfhard stock. I might be selling. Might be selling hard. We'll see. Whereas we'll see. Timothy Chalamet. Uh, let's say unique looking people, interesting looking people. Take a look at Tilda Swinton. She's not conventionally attractive, but she's had a great True. career. So it can happen. Good luck. It's, yeah, it's just not. It's not. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I need. Yeah. You're, you're, you'll. You'll be fine. Just. Just uh, get a financial advisor. You'll be fine. Just just from the stuff you've done alone, it's it's fine. Uh, Josh says, my main reason for reaching out, something has been in my craw since the very first scene of Hopper. I find the show to be a great period piece with a pretty good eye for detail, and yet here are some anachronisms there, here and there, but played probably for the rule of cool. That being said, the American flag patch on the police officer's arms are all on backwards. That patch is either for the left arm because on the right arm it signals a retreating flag. An Air Force buddy of mine taught me about this years ago, and once you know it, you catch bad costuming choices every now and then. The flag should always be represented as a bear being the one holding the flagpole and moving forward, so the field of blue should always be towards the front. Uh, so he goes on and says that this might be a theory that the cops are working for the Russians or the Hawkins has been co-opted. Mm. I got to say, Josh, I don't think this is actually true. I think this is a like a, an army, uh, navy, air force uniform code of conduct thing, and as has been updated in the recent, I think, uh, U.S. flag code. But I don't think this 
has at least always governed first responders, uh, sheriff, police, certainly uh, any other company. I've seen many times in real life, like paramedics that have the flag on quote unquote backwards, because if you think of, and, and I think this has come about as, as America has increasingly um, become militarized in our culture and like uh, police have become increasingly militarized. They've adopted that kind of macho never fucking retreat. You know, blah, blah, because like, you know, can't have the old, old glory running backwards. But I, I think in in mid 80s, Indiana, I could easily see these guys having their flags on, quote unquote, backwards. Because, again, that that is only ever true, I think, for the military. Um, and, it, and that stuff changes. It's not set in stone like it used to be a violation of the Uniform Flag Act to uh, display the flag in any colors other than given. And now, like frontline troops deploy with camo flags. So, yeah. so I think that's a, that's a recent development. I don't think it's an anachronistic, especially for like a share a small town sheriff's department. But uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for because that's I I do get that. I, I think uh, like once a season. Vernon says, I've been in the tank for this show since the beginning. This show created characters, showed you exactly who they are, dipped in 80s nostalgia, and allowed the characters to take the plot exactly where they needed to go. The plot, the children acted like children, the adults acted like adults, and rarely, if ever, did something occur out of left field for the plot's convenience. They achieved this in 40-minute episodes. Uh, I'm not in horror movies generally, Plot contrivances and cheap tricks designed to create suspense typically turn me off. Just like Game of Thrones is a fantasy for people who don't love fantasy, Stranger Things is horror for people who don't love horror. I fear they may be losing that. This season felt very bloated to me. The ridiculous Soviet Union rescue mission seemed out of place in the show in a lot of ways. The characters were charming, but the idea that three people are breaking to the Soviet Union military death camp cannot escape with their lives and two prisoners... Uh, really bothered me or the Kate, they did do that. Sorry. The sentence was a little, uh, I, I, I chopped it up a little messily. They spent a lot of time when everyone knew that Hopper and Joyce would make it back from Russia and that the Murray's charisma would protect him at the very end of the show. At least Papa's alive. How and why, why would Vecna or one leave him to live? It seems cheap to me. Also her powering up part of the show was very tedious. There were bright spots, but it definitely found me wanting, a lot of the California plot seemed to drag along as well. I found myself tapping my foot as the plot seemingly disconnected, uh, seemed disconnected to the main action. I think it suffers from the fact that there just isn't enough for all the characters to do. Um, can I can I admit a secret? I kind of yes. agree with you on the L stuff. L has never been my favorite part of this show, except for maybe season one. Uh, everything from then on has been like, well, I really care about the heart of this group. And if you Mike. are not like, yeah, Mike, if, if you're not directly <laughs> interfacing with the kids here and solving the problems with, you know, clever teamwork and uh, vi- not video game, board game analogies, uh, tabletop analogies, then I'm probably not as excited about watching it. And this season was, you know, L separated from the group entirely, just doing her own thing in the upside down, uh, you know, void space yeah i'm I'm with you i'm not nearly as excited about that as i am everything that was going on in hawkins and even honestly in california i do think i was a little bit more gripped up before the final two episodes because i was just so like how the fuck are they going to get out of russia in time how are they going to get from cal it turned out that that didn't matter now i do think that even seeing that 
um, or even having said, said that, that there is in that first half of season four, some fluff and some fat that could have been trimmed. Some of that stuff felt repetitious, yeah. especially since you find out that they didn't need to, you know, they didn't need to escape. But I don't know. Maybe there's something to be said for generating the suspense within the audience of how in the hell can they possibly finish with so little time and, and, and kind of doing it anyway. I feel like the first hopper escape attempt could have been excised entirely. I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like there's, there's a couple of those kind of things that didn't even really pay off. Cause like it felt so yeah. good for him and Joyce to get back together in that final episode, but it would have felt just as good without all that background stuff. So yep. I'm, and, and again, like you're in pretty good company. Uh, if you thought that there was pacing issues, Vernon, and if you thought the show's losing a little bit of its fastball, Alan Zeppenwall, favorite TV critic uh, had very similar concerns. So I'm bummed that other people didn't like it as much as I did. Cause I've definitely been on the other side of that divide. And it always feels like you're the, the one with your nose pressed up against the glass looking in, you know, but, um, and, and they're legitimate. I'm not saying that you're crazy for thinking that it's just, oh, I yeah. thought the final two episodes were so strong that the little bit of impatience I had for what went before was kind of wiped away with, pretty pretty much universal delight another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of slash talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Melanie said, I just finished listening to the episode nine podcast. I was a little shocked that you didn't. I don't think you mentioned a very obvious Christ imagery in this episode. Beckney uses his tentacle network to pull L up into the most obvious Jesus on the cross pose in front of his door with the stained glass window. I know this was closer to an instant take than a full podcast, but after listening to your leftovers and Westworld coverage, I was a little surprised I didn't e- even get a mention. Anyway. Um, I'm already of the opinion that L was going to have to die to put an end to this once. So I think this is foreshadowing that L will have to fully sacrifice her life to destroy Vecna and fully restore the barrier between our world and the upside down. It's tough to do an instant take style podcast for a two and a half hour episode. Um, but even still, I guess I, I consider this kind of Christ imagery to be like the Fisher Price of Western uh, narrative techniques. And like, you know, if, if you read the Red Badge of Courage and your teacher pointed all these out to you in seventh grade, like, what do you need me for? To the extent I almost don't even need to see him anymore. It's like, oh, my God, so many. Cry- so it's like I'm, I'm inclined to not like if you want to talk Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed. You want to talk like some, some deep biblical lore? I'm a little bit interested, but like wafers and cruciforms don't don't get me super, super narratively excited anymore. Yeah, I mean, they can be the breadcrumbs to lead you down that trail, and then you can find yeah. more intricate uh, and deep 
connections, but certainly. Do you think, what do you think of the theory that this is uh, marking L for death? I mean, <laughs> well, let's be honest, you know, uh, it, it's like saying a snake sacrificed itself uh, for humanity, but all it did was shed its skin. I mean, come on, come on. What are we talking about here? Jesus didn't die. Jesus simply <laughs> shed his human body. You know what? Hot, hot biblical take, but that, yeah, this is, right? this is a there shell no game. God, God's there. playing. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Jesus and is, Christ. And if you're fully bought into the Trinity, then this is like really God playing sh- shell games with aspects and shards of himself. Like what, right? what the, yeah. What are we talking about? But no, yeah. I, I take your point. Uh, yes. <laughs> Literarily. Certainly. I think this could be foreshadowing, uh, a sacrifice that she has to make. Cause the thing is, is like if she, if she lives, then you've got like a, a girl who's got fantastic superpowers mm-hmm. in the world. Like to return the world to a normalcy would she, she would have to die or be depowered, sure. uh, which is only done through trauma. And I don't, I don't know that I want to see that again. So, and if not the Angela's of the world need to watch out cause she's coming. for mm. them. Mm. Yeah. More skates to the face. Mm-hmm. Um, well, superpower she, skates. Pop her fucking head if she could have. <laughs> That's the thing. Skate to uh, the face was the last resort of a depowered L. Yeah, it's. But I also like it. It seems like this show is unusually squeamish about killing these kids. Like they couldn't even do Max. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. that's the one thing that points me in the other direction. Maybe we'll see. Okay, Zach S. Uh, with the re- news of the recent renewal, the Duffers have recently confirmed that season five will involve a time skip that takes the remainder of the show into the early 90s. Well, this is exciting news generally, nice. and I can't wait to see how Dustin is dressed as a young adult still getting over the loss of his hair metal loving friend this season. And here's some Nirvana in the soundtrack. You guys did a yeah. great job pointing out how unlike previous seasons of the show, a ton was left unsettled and ended with a true cliffhanger. I agree that the show needs to start episode 501, picking up exactly where we left off at the end of 408. But how do you do that with the time skip? Especially if the kids are supposed to be high school freshmen in one scene and college in the next. I can see them making a mid-season time skip like the one in Fargo season one, but that feels like it just introduces more problems and isn't nearly as satisfying as a full adventure arc taking place to end the one last new version of Hawkins. But they also can't come back to an unrecognizable hellscape seven years after the end of season four and just explain the intermittent, intermittent seven-year gap with exposition, can they? I guess Westworld is doing that now with the whole Robot Wars questions, but that's a different kind of show. What are our thoughts on this? And if we're talking about Robot Wars, is there going to be a upside-down war that's going to happen that's going to keep the upside-down at bay for seven years for uh, the only- Hawkins or what? The only thing I can think of is they're like Hawkins is fucked in the same way like that one Pennsylvania town that's coal mine caught on fire made it inhospitable but it's going to be chalked up as additional size activity that's fucked uniquely fucked this Indiana town and it's going to take seven years for the Vecna to perfect his plan because mm-hmm. he he did get Max but as I think he got enough to open the portal but it was like not his full plan in execution I think you're right I think that is what they're going to hang on but I think the Duffers are in a little bit of a problem because I think they sold a lot of the audience like, oh, God, the hell, the gates of hell are wide open mm-hmm. and there's not but Elle and her friends here in Hawkins to help close it. 
And that's not what we're going to get. The other thing is, like, may, I wonder if they filmed just enough footage to do an episode for next season where the kids can, like, hastily do some kind of portal patching and return to some sense of normalcy. But I, I don't know, man. I, Hawkins looks fucked. Like, way more fucked than they were the night before when, when L managed to the, the, the partially close the portal, I guess. Yeah, and it raises a ton of questions about how is this group going to stay together in any meaningful way? Because, um, yeah. like, if Mike's family needs to move out of there, uh, out of Hawkins, I, I don't know, his dad didn't seem to be too worried. But, like, if they need to move out and uh, Hopper needs to move out because Hawkins is just uninhabitable, they're not all going to the same place. They're going to scatter across the country. So, like, I don't know. They did it this season. Um, maybe they can do it again where it'll feel interesting to have these kids scattered across the country or bring them together somehow. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I, I really think next season, you know, time jump or not is going to be about the search for Mad Max, right? She's lost somewhere in the mm-hmm. void. Elle's going to have to find her before Vecna does. For seven fucking years, she's going to be in a goddamn coma while the, while the earth is plunged into hell. That's the other thing that makes no sense. Yeah. Seven years of coma is a lot of coma. I got to say, I think it's ballsy for the Duffers to set this challenge in front of them. But, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, we'll I, uh, I, I I wonder if the better thing to do would just be to get Netflix to film two seasons back to back and be done with it. Because, like, yeah, I, I don't. This feels much more like, you know what? COVID fucked us and these these kids are now five, six years older than we need them to be and mm-hmm. we're bowing to that reality rather than this is how we always intended it to go. Yeah. But, I will say um, this is a great development for the soundtrack though. Like I love 80s music, yes. but I yes. want to see Stranger Things do 90s music just as much. So bring it on. Yeah. There that 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 is that is an exciting prospect. And the other thing is like I thought when I saw two and a half hour finale, ninety minute penultimate episode that the the duffers have lost their fucking minds and there's right. no way, there's no way, and I was dead wrong. So I'm done with doubting them in advance. We'll see how it goes. E-Man, I read online that they haven't f- started filming this last season yet, so I highly doubt they'll pick up right after this season. They're already looking way too old for just starting high school. Will's aged a decade. Jonathan's like 45 now. I think they'll do it three years later and go right to the end of 1989. Maybe do it right at the new year. That could be fun. Uh, a fun way to enter the 90s in style. Could also line up nicely with the 2024 New Year's Day release date. And it would be fun to be back in the winter again. So we're finally going to expand... So I think that's a cool idea. Actually, mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool idea. Releasing this like at the tail end of Christmas break. Although I would, I, if you want to do that, release it, release it at the beginning, like release it mid December for all the kids off at school to like binge Stranger Things. I, w- I would like to see them all be twenty one of drinking age in the next season. <laughs> uh-huh. That might be fun, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, L drunk seems scary. Um, just, just like the first time getting drunk is, is an experience for kids, right? So, yeah. And granted, you don't need to be 21 to do that as a kid. Certainly, most kids get drunk before 21, I'd say. So, we're finally going to expand way behind beyond hawkins now and have worldwide stakes i'm thinking most of the usa or even the world will be affected by the death fires or whatever they're going to call it and 11 and dr owens will be at the forefront of the fight with only top government peeps 
will definitely bring back 08 or 008 Chicago girl. Did any of the other kids survive? If so, we can have a super group going. They're going to try. They're going to be training and everything. You know, if they go this route, having an entire season seems like too much. Maybe we'll just have a two or three giant episode finale. A trilogy of movie episodes seems intriguing. Sure. Cause, cause yeah, that's the thing It's like, there's no guarantee we're going to get like an, a, the, the length of, although I thought the Duffer said that they were planning on season five to be the longest one yet. Wow. So I don't know uh, where, where you, are you with, I, I don't, I think that none of the other, in fact, I don't even know how eight made it out because I thought that the, what they story they told was 11, uh, the one slaughtered all of the kids except for set um, 11. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't know how eight made it out, but, she did yeah so i don't, I don't think we'll that, have a super a, group that's a ballsy proposition for the starting of the season like to make it hell on earth like actual everybody has been overrun by the under or the the upside down and like you're fighting it back yeah i feel like it's too late at that point but maybe not you cut out the heart of it who knows um Ben wants to know what's your all's opinion on the idea that one is uh, uh, or Vecna is 11's father, the meta connection between Vader, Luke and one and 11. The fact we don't know 11's father and one was this first one at the powers and all the other kids were born after him. Let me know what y'all think. Thanks for the great analysis. The ages line up. If he was seven, eight in the mid fifties, he's going to be, you know, 17, 18 in the mid seventies. He's going to be in his mid twenties and the eighties. He could certainly have fathered children. And that's if you just keep it like, you know, not creepy, which I don't think you could guarantee Brenner wouldn't. Um, There's that one in 11, you know, like that's like one and then two ones equals 11. Complete me. Yeah. They they have yeah. zero zero one right, so the eleven would make it all ones. I don't know. Yeah, um, isn't that binary addition too? If you have zero zero one and then zero one one would be the, you know, the next numerical sequence from that. Be zero. That'd actually zero. be two. Oh, would it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Fuck. I don't know, um, man. That's that's a, that sounds like a crazy theory, but it could be right on. I don't see any reason it can't be. Yeah, and the the Darth yeah, that's like uh the the villain villain that's secretly the father. Like shit, they just they played with that trope in the boys this season. So we'll see. I don't like it, but I I, I even like it less than the Brenner is her father theory. But mm-hmm. it's only because one's a creep. So Yeah. Donald says, I said in my last email, I have faith in the brothers Duff. They always seem to stick to landing and damn it. They did it again. I will say this season and last felt looser than the first two seasons. Um, and they definitely need a good editor. Yeah, I man, I felt like two had a lot of fat in the middle. I, I thought three was a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a great season, but I do. I, I will. But but I, I, I have a hard time squaring that with my uh saying that this this has some fat in it too mm-hmm. you know like season I mean, one does, perfect but... i think season three better than two i think four is mm-hmm. better than two but not quite as good as three maybe that like, goddamn right me, yeah this finale was pretty goddamn great uh donald says one note about max um brenner mentions that henry sucks all of a person 
everything they are, everything they is out of them and has in them making their power, taking their power for his own. To get Max back, they'd have to take Henry out. I think the implication is that Elle saved Max's body, but her mind is completely void. Not empty, but void, like the difference between null and zero in a database. I'm sure there will be a plot point going forward. Um, I almost forgot his eight coming back to fight at the Doom Portal. First of all, yeah, we've already talked about I, I, I There's a couple of these theories that it's like Max isn't gone. She's been possessed by Vecna. And Vecna's yeah. either hiding in her mind as a refuge, or she's oh, got Ma- okay. he's got he's got Max imprisoned in his you know red realm. Mm-hmm. I just like man with the time forward jump into the eighty nineties. I just like that's a long time for a young person to be in a coma. Is Lucas going to be by her bedside for seven years? Six years later, seven years, years later, who knows? Uh, like oof. maybe he is, but that's an awful lot to ask a fifteen year old's it first is. love. And are his parents going to let him stay there? Is he going to go to college? Is, are they going to sure. move away? Like Hawkins yeah. is fucked. Why wouldn't they move away? Right. Yeah. I don't know. What do you mean at eight? Well, this second time it's come up. Um, she's come up rather. Uh, I never had a big problem with eight. And I kind of expected her to show up at the end of this is somewhere in this season. There's a school of thought where the brothers duff are embarrassed by the reception of the new mutants and they're kind they of like pretending be. they're pretending it didn't exist yeah they should be and that's the proper course of action don't repeat okay. your mistake don't don't even don't even flirt with repeating your mistake why would you it's weird that all this shit would have like so this is the first time this stuff has made that na- probably undoubtedly make national no yeah like it's it's weird for me the eights out there and she sees what happened in season three and what happened at the mall? That's all in the news, and, th- and then she never shows up. If she doesn't show up, then I think she's dead. Then the brothers Duff killed her. Sure, they murdered, murdered, murdered her. Uh, let's move on to Josh. Said I had to write this email because there's nothing that gives more joy than watching Nancy turn into a complete badass at the end of every season. There's a job that needs to be done. There's never a moment of hesitation from Nancy. She figures out what they need. She weapons up and she runs into the fray, ready to face anything and everything she can to save the day. We all talk about core characters all the time, but Nancy doesn't get praised often enough for having the brains, brawn and bravery. The group needs right when they need it most. True. Especially the last two seasons. Uh, I totally agree. Like everyone talks about da- uh, Steve being the, you know, the the dad or the mom of the group. But goddamn, Nancy, the mama bear, it's getting shit done. Yeah, absolutely. It's why I like them so much together at this point because that's Steve the is other a total thing. douchebag, and they're both like badasses. <sighs> I guess for seven years in the future, we're gonna miss all the will they, won't they, the love triangle stuff. Like that's some of the cool yeah. things, and they're gonna have to just let go. Uh, hmm. because there's no fucking way that they're still dancing around like that in seven years. I don't know. Maybe it gives yeah. maybe it gives a, uh, both of them enough to have a. But yeah, I just like yeah, I don't know because it's hard for me to believe that people go back to like real world and start you know going to college and getting married and stuff with the hell mouth open, right? But the duffers might roll that back and make it not as big a deal as it was. I don't know. Um, Jim. I'm pretty sure that the opening of Sullivan's raid inside the bunker, he's talking about episode eight, is a shot for shot homage to Darth Vader's raid at the Tanta V in the opening of the New Hope. Did anyone mm-hmm. else notice that or am I way off base? I, I, I don't think it's 
literally a shot by sh- shot or homage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's and, and it's like it's hard to say what's the line between an homage and just a tr- like, you know, army guys breaching a base. Uh-huh. Um, I've seen it a, do- a couple dozen times and all kind of and it kind of looks all the same. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They, they definitely Star Wars is in the show's blood, though, right? Mm hmm. The other thing that's been bothering me is when episode in episode seven, the kids go to Eddie's trailer to try to extract the older kids from the upside down. The problem is the agency had already found the portal in the trailer. It doesn't make sense that the agency would have left it totally unguarded. You'd think that at the very least they would have stationed a few agents there to monitor it or something. Hmm. I think you're right about that. That's a little weird, which is why the, the one in the lake was such a good entrance. Cause who's right. going to know about that? Let alone have people monitoring it. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's like a time crunch where they just have to find seven or 11. They have to find 11 and they don't, they're a small like black ops team. They don't have time to post guards. So they just go for broke, find an 11. And when they have her in her position or kill her, the, they assume the portals will close. I don't know. Was it something where the authorities didn't realize that was going to be a portal? because it was just like a scorch mark on the ceiling and then it opened yeah. at some point. I assume that they know everything that Brenner knows, though. It seemed like that they, they were well familiar with his work. Yeah. But uh, that might be a little bit of a, cl- a plot hole. I'm not sure how much he knows about it. Like, I mean, the kids out in Hawkins are all figuring this out, right? Does he know that there are four Brenner? deaths and four four bells and like four Oh, probably not at that level no but you know the knowledge of a gate and how it's open and how it behaves and uh, i figured he would know that the the colonel sullivan maybe i I felt like this was something new that was not something he might know about but who knows um j cubes wants to know i know that the russian gang went back to try to weaken the evil forces but did that pay off on the screen in the struggle with vecna i don't recall vecna noticeably reactive as they torched the demidogs and the demigorgon did i miss it that's a good question i don't know it, it, there was never a point where like Vecna's choking the shit out of the kids or L or somebody. And then, you know, Hopper chops the head off a of Demogor and like it distracts him or makes him like feel connected pain or anything. So was the entire Hopper thing pointless? Was it was that entire excursion only to get Hopper out of the Russians hands? Well, that's that's what he said. He goes, I don't I don't mind stories about ineffectual heroes. He cites Indiana Jones as like, you know, sure. all of his movies like, you, can you know, take him don't out and nothing matters. Yeah. yeah. Like God takes care of the Nazis. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, the 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 grail took care of itself. Yeah. So like maybe they're leaning into that. Like, it's OK to have your your heroes uh, try and strive and ultimately don't amount to hill of beans. It's a lot of screen time to spend on something that doesn't amount to a hill of beans, though. Uh, a lot of discussion about Will. The meta discussion about Will. Um, Jonathan says, from a meta standpoint, the Will situation allows the show to introduce a gay character without having to introduce a new love interest at a time in a time of plot where that would be weird and feel a bit forced. I recently heard someone speaking on a matter to say one of the unique challenges of being a young gay person is that your first love is statistically very likely to be unrequited. I believe they're doing a great job depicting Will being in this exact same conundrum while also displaying his confusion, which is why it seems confusing to us as an audience. Um, 
I agree with that. And that's an interesting point. And I don't think the internet was as up in the air about this as we were. The internet's firmly like, oh, Will's gay and this is unrequited love and end of story. Well, there's like, are they dancing this line or are they, are they messing up? But I, I was more of like, he's obviously gay. Why aren't they just moving on to the plot? But like, I, so it's like, there's an, I got the, the next two emails are from, um, some representatives of the LGBT community to talk about their Midwestern experiences growing up gay. Mm-hmm. First is Sarah. She says, I want to take a moment to try to provide some context to the scenes with Will and Mike, because those scenes made me ugly cry. I grew up in Anderson, Indiana, the meth capital of the mid- Midwest. She's not lying. I, yeah. My mother-in-law lives in Anderson. They are a meth-aware community. There's signs on the side of the street where it says, we are a meth-aware. Like, and I always thought that's funny. Like, what the fuck? Are they trying to raise meth-awareness? Like, they're just leaning into <laughs> them being the meth. Yeah. No, it's notorious. Notorious. Um, I was also raised as a boy, and Anderson isn't any different than the rest of the farm-adjacent towns in Indiana. Very conservative, religious, bigoted, stuck in their ways, much like Hawkins is portrayed via dialogue from Robin about coming out to the wrong person. When I was around 13, I realized I liked both boys and girls, and this was not easy for me, as at the time I was in a Christian school trying to fit in by believing in Christianity. It's very hard because uh, of the cognitive dissonance. I liked boys and girls, but all my teachers and authority figures at school were telling me I would burn in hell. Mm -hmm. Around 15 or so, I developed an incredible crush on my best friend at the time, Brian. The scene between Mike and Will in the van with Will spilling his guts, only shading it behind the guise of L basically commissioned me to paint this was absolutely heart shattering to me because I've had this almost exact same conversation hidden under the guise of being, uh, well, this girl dot, dot, dot. All I wanted to do was tell him how I felt that I thought he was cute and manly and I wanted him to hold me and make me feel safe and comfortable. Um, all I wanted to do is scream at him to kiss me and ignore the shitty girls being mean to him and fucking with his emotions. I wanted very badly to tell him how I felt, but that looming shadow of fear of hell and being an outcast kept it repressed and hidden. That scene is so fucking real because this conversation absolutely happens. Sharing your feelings vicariously through allegory and replacement people. I adored the scene. I think it's one of the most real, well-written and well-performed scenes in the entire show. And, and I did see a lot yeah. of that. Like I felt like, uh, coastal gays <laughs> progressive living area were like kind of frustrated and saw these scenes as backwards and there was a lot uh, of gays youth from the the midwest and the south and I think we talked about this saying no 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 this is representation for us because it's still like this in a, in a lot of areas yeah. of the United States and it's point well taken and I think um, Noah Schnapp kills it in that scene he does not get enough credit for his acting um, because he's been largely sidelined in this show but when he gets some meat to chew on holy shit dude Will is so underserved for all of the plot swirling around him they still have not found a great way to service his character unfortunately yeah um, Chris comes in and, and says ditto on all the stuff that Sarah said. It says in your episode, you mentioned how you weren't sure if this confirmed the will is gay theory or not. But as a former gay kid in the Midwest, I can confirm this is a definitive confirmation that he is gay. Okay. He was never talking about L when he was talking about how lost and how different she feels and how Mike helps alleviate those feelings. He was talking about himself using L as a stand in like 
like Sarah said, allegorically. Sure. While speech does apply to L, he was speaking from his own heart and confessing his feelings in a roundabout way. Developing an unrequited crush on your straight friend is sadly an all too common occurrence for closeted teens. And the second that scene started, my boyfriend and I immediately knew what was happening and we both loved the scene as a result. I didn't grow up in Indiana during the 80s, but I did grow up in the early 2000s, Wyoming, and I cannot imagine the experience was significantly different. Yeah. Um, he also had an interesting thing that I didn't pick up regarding Jonathan. He says, during the scene, Jonathan is watching the whole time in the rear view mirror, and I think he knew what Will was trying to say. Mm-hmm. The heart-to-heart scene where they're assembling the sensory bath in this pizza place was Jonathan's way of saying, hey, I know you're gay, but you're my brother, and I love you regardless honestly a very touching scene for both me and my boyfriend i didn't get those definitely you're right i remember like seeing jonathan looking in the mirror and going hmm okay he's noticing this uh yeah and it makes a lot of sense we're just under a month to go until badass fest six Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our hometown to watch a secret badass film with us. Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com slash live. No hints about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd pleaser. Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie-themed cocktails. It's happening Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com live. And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid Bald Move kayakers down our national scenic river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live. Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video. Boys Season 4 gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. Lots happened since last season. Two whole years, labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off. Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find a way to make things work? Come laugh, cry, and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves of this season of The Boys. Find it by searching for the Department of Homelander Security wherever you listen to podcasts, or subscribe to Ball Move Pulp to get all our coverage of sci-fi, fantasy, and superheroic entertainment.
We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, secondly, or uh, moving on to other topics, um, Ben T., so the Russian prison had multiple demigorgons and a smoke monster, but was made clear in season three that they can't create portals in Russia, which is why they built a mall in Hawkins. So where did they get those demigorgons to experiment on? Just want to see if you had answers for this. Captured them and took them back. I don't, I don't know. Dude, where'd, they, how, get, where'd uh, they get the fucking mist, whatever they called it. The shadow. Okay. I think we do need answers to this because it's already stretching my mind that they're smuggling American citizen out of the country as a whole bunch of clandestine uh, army intelligence types. Mm-hmm. But that they got multiple Demogorgons and that smoke monster out in that whole fucking mess. I, the only explanation is a portal did open that connected them somehow and that the Russians have been able to perfect that technology because I, I just don't think it makes sense otherwise. Yeah, could be. And maybe that helps, like, uh, explain, like, the world going to shit quicker if they're going to go down that, like, kind of, like, Doom 2 Hell on Earth storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I that that is a bit of a seeming plot hole. Ben also says something that wasn't really covered in this episode was how important Will is to the Upside Down. Remember the date Nancy's diary was the date Will got captured. They never really explained that this season. We had the fact that Will's mind flare sensor was going off. We are going to find out that Will, not L, is going to be the one to save the day, as clearly Will's character is going to be integral to the story. I hope so. Um, Yeah. All this stuff with Will pay off because, yeah, it's been a little, it's been necessary and important, but like pretty lackluster as far as his character goes. Yeah. Um, unfortunately we are kind of out of time and uh, we got to the most of the main points there's a couple people had some theories for next season but they were all sent in before we found out there's going to be a no time skip stuff so mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be super applicable and again I just got so I got like the like a late stage Game of Thrones amount of email in the last week and it's just you know we could have read this for three hours and I got it through it all mm-hmm. so uh, I really appreciate everyone that did send this feedback um, I am very excited, but also very puzzled and uh, confused about how season five is going to, to roll out with this, the, the shape of the end of season four. Mm-hmm. But I was a little bit of a doubting Thomas coming into season four that they'd be able to recapture the magic. And they did. So I'm going to have faith in the duffers until, until we see that they, they shit the landing. So, <laughs> um, 
that's it uh-huh. i we, we got our marching orders we're going to put this thing on cryo sleep for two years if you've enjoyed uh maester anthony and his uh his 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 uh, co-host steve's takes on stranger things i'm sure that they will be back uh to cover the last two episodes after we're done uh, uh and then other than that is out is out as of today as of there last you night go. actually so yeah check that out and they'll be coming back with their finale and their wrap up in the next two weeks and if you like our coverage in Stranger Things, stick around. We got tons of great stuff. We're watching For All Mankind right now. We just wrapped up The Boys. Jim is diving back into Better Call Saul. Uh, we've got Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and The House of the Dragon coming out later this year. Just tons of stuff. Keep up with us on baldmove.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash baldmove. And if you like what you do, uh, what we do and you like a lot more of it ad-free, check out support.baldmove.com. Uh, but otherwise, we for sure will be back two years from now to to see the final installment of Stranger Things, Stranger Things 5. Thank you very much for listening. Loved having you as an audience. We'll see you in a couple of years. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. <laughs>